Welcome to the 215th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 13th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's got the smoothest teeth in all of Seattle, Carlos Rodella. Nice. I just told you about that story to the dentist, and you used it in the show. Good job. Incorporating information, it's what I do. Yes, and. Yeah, I just went to the orthodontist and got some of those little attachments taken off. Are you talking about your nipples? No. Uh, unless they're teeth nipples, then yes. <laughs> you said the attachments, and I'm like, my mind was wandering. <laughs> yeah, your mind does wander in that direction mainly. Um, those who are uh, familiar with Invisalign, you have these little uh, buttons and like a little attachment things put on your teeth to kind of hold the Invisalign trays uh, on your teeth. And so I just got some taken off, and I told Brad that before the show, and they feel so smooth. It feels amazing. Looks amazing, too. Oh, you don't know because you're not seeing them, but okay. But I'm sure in my mind's eye, I can see them, Carlos. Yeah, it's gorgeous. They're smooth. <laughs> All right, folks, we are back for episode 215. Got a bunch of games to talk about. We got listener questions. But before we get to any of that, we're going to kick it off with a uh, little housekeeping. Or as we'd like to say here, we're going to be keeping the house with Carlos. Carlos, what do you got? Keeping the house with Carlos. Why can't Still don't have a theme make a song, song for nope. us. Um, first thing is, Ease 9 is coming out soon. God, that, that series just keeps on going, dude. I know, and you know I'm a fan of the series. You're the number one fan. I'm one of the number one fans. And Ease 9 came out last year in Japan. I think a year ago now. Hmm. Yeah, I heard what it is, was... What is the subtitle? Oh, Monstrous, Monstrex something. You can uh, use the okay. Google. Uh, Anyways, yeah. it's an action RPG. It looks really fun and ridiculous and... I heard only good things about it from the from the reviews in Japan. So very excited. Um, I think it's in a month or two. So I think February maybe. So just expect that to be on the show. I will be reviewing it. Just excited about that. So that's a little wait, bit. wait, wait. Tangent, tangent. How do you read the Japanese reviews? Do you like put them into Google Translate or what do you do? I mean, just people are saying like reviews out of Japan are. You oh, know, okay. You gotcha. know, like the Newswire from 1950s. Did it? Did it? Did I thought like you went to like Famitsu's website and you like copy and paste and Google Translate and then you like make your way through the English and figure out what's going on or something. I have done that yeah. uh, for other things. But no, this one I just he heard in uh, other websites. So again, okay. uh, people like it. Gotcha. So gotcha. that review is coming soon. Very excited. Just it's on my radar. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is VG Charts. What's your relationship with them? Love, hate? I don't really have any any opinion i know that they are a thing that exists but i never go there and i don't i don't have an opinion okay i feel like some people and other game journalists have opinions on their site uh love or hate or whatever but in general they're gathering data so i think that's cool um and so you know take it with a grain of salt who knows if it's all accurate exactly but what sounds like is the playstation 5 is outselling the xbox series x and s that's impossible because there ain't none to be fucking bought. Okay. How can you how can you chart something that isn't out there? That's you a fucking myth, dude. You didn't even let me dude. finish my major statement. <laughs> Sorry. You're like, no, whatever you're about to say is not true. There are none. There's none exist. It's well, a bogus story. PS5, Phantomware. There's none in stores, dude. You okay. can't sell nothing that ain't in a store. I'm just going to skip the story then. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I obviously have one, and there are people who have bought them, uh, and it's I feel bad for it's all those who do not have one. But let me get to the point. The point is, 
uh, in about a, in America, it's about the same. So it's like 130,000 to 140,000 Xbox selling a little bit more in the US, which is kind of nuts to me, but it's true. And then according to VG charts, but the rest of the world, Europe sold 700,000 PlayStation 5s and uh, sold 80,000 Xboxes. That is a big difference. That's a pretty big difference. Um, so you combine that with Japan, which is obviously going to, uh, I mean, maybe not obvious, but it is obvious. More PlayStations are being sold there. Uh, so it comes out to four to one is what I was going to say in my first. Wow. Day. Four to one. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Any, any thoughts on that? I mean, you know, there's been some talk about this. I, I mean, I don't know if VG charts is, you know, how reliable their data is. I know that the, the manufacturers are not really talking about it. I know there's a real big fucking problem with supply right now, so that's probably part of it. But I think also an interesting point that was raised recently was that Microsoft is taking a slightly different approach. And I think uh, some people talked about that in their Game of the Year uh, breakdowns at GameCritics.com. I invite anybody listening to go over to GameCritics.com and read some of these. I think it was Jared Johnston and also AJ Small kind of both were talking about this. Um, basically just kind of saying that Microsoft is taking a slightly different approach this time while they are certainly creating the Xbox X and S and they have the one still viable. They're also kind of becoming like more of a platform in general because they've got like the PC thing going. If you get Game Pass, you can kind of dip into like any of those things that you want. Some of their games are appearing on other platforms. And so I think that maybe they're going to be less of a, a specific locked in competitive platform and more of like an open platform which may be contributing to that i don't know for sure i haven't really looked into it that much because i'm not really like a sales head really but i mean i'm gonna buy them both regardless but that's an interesting theory you know with microsoft being more like yeah we're not really we're, we're going for like the, the bigger ten thousand foot view rather than the box versus box sales so i don't know how much weight is in that it's just a theory that i've been hearing yeah that goes exactly into my next point is actually about this what you're talking okay. about. okay um so you know it's like we've done a show before or something uh I'm, One or two. I'm frustrated with with that statement that you just made because I've heard it a lot. And Microsoft can say that they're going to be this ecosystem and they can be this platform and they're going to go play your games on your phone and play your games on PC and they're cross-platform. And yes, while Game Pass is a very interesting thing and I don't have it yet, I understand a bunch of indie games are coming to it. And You're going to love it when you get it. Dude. I'm going to love it. but Guaranteed. I am looking at some of those games on the on the lineup and I've played a fucking ton of them. So my question is this, or my statement, I guess, is this, uh, mixed together with whatever those numbers shake out to be and whatever Microsoft's plan, epic plan is, that it's not necessarily about, you know, the games or the new system. I don't understand how that's a winning solution because the thing I get so frustrated about, which is another one of my keeping the house topics was, they were like, we have a new controller and now it's red. And it's, but it's super red and it's like, you know, the, the sticks are red and something else about it is new and special. I was like, I don't fucking care. I love my friends at Xbox and Microsoft, okay? But like, I wanna play a game. Like I want escapism, I wanna go to a world that's interesting and unique. And PlayStation gives me a lot more first party titles that are unique and interesting for me to go into and a different experience. The controller itself isn't a different color. It's a fucking different controller. Like it feels different and it feels mm -hmm. better, right? So I think whatever this thing that we're talking about that you just mentioned is definitely what's showing up and it's showing up in the charts as well that they're not focused on that. But I don't know how you could focus on controllers and platform and ecosystem 
without fucking games. Because again, I will put an asterisk next to this, and as soon as I get a Series X, I'll play the shit out of it, and I'll go to Game Pass. But I've seen the games on Game Pass, and I've played so many of them that I don't, right now, personally, I'm just like frustrated with them. I'm like, I don't want another red controller. I don't want old games, and I want a fucking new experience. Well, I think what we're seeing here is, uh, you know, it. they always say, like, you know, you have a huge ship, it takes a long time to turn, right? And Microsoft is one of the biggest ships out there. So I think that when the Xbox One launched, I mean, we all remember what a clusterfuck that was, and they were floundering for several years, right? And it wasn't until they got new leadership. I mean, pretty recently that they really started to turn the ship around with Game Pass, only, like, in the last year or two years, uh, so I think that they were heading in the wrong direction for quite a while. But now that they've got new leadership, I think that what we're starting to see is the ship is turning a little bit. It hasn't fully turned, but they are in the middle of buying a bunch of developers. And I think that we have not hit the point where those purchases are producing games yet, but I feel like they will. Uh, I mean, didn't they just buy Bethesda recently? I feel like yeah, they bought Bethesda. But they, I mean, you know so, it's not going to be exclusive, though. You know, They're not going to make Skyrim 5 or whatever. I mean, maybe timed exclusive. You don't know. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the ultimate goal is, but I do believe that with the new leadership in place, they are putting a, a, a new focus on games that wasn't there before. Yeah. I think they're putting a new focus on the player experience, which wasn't there before. And I think it's just it's taken the Microsoft ship a really, really, really long time to turn. But I feel like it is turning. Because, I mean, if you had asked me four years ago, I would have said, fuck Xbox, fuck Microsoft, I don't give a shit. And now I'm like, oh, no, actually, Game Pass is pretty rad, and I really do like the Xbox, um, and I, I'm pretty excited about that. So it's, change can happen, right? I think it's just it's so slow in coming. And Sony's been on the same track this entire time, which, you know, definitely explains why they're so far ahead in terms of first-party games and their focus on giving those unique experiences. They were focused on innovating with the controller, haven't touched the controller yet, but everybody I've talked to says it's great. So I think that... I think Microsoft just has had the wrong leader in place. And speaking from just like real life experience, not related to games, but like working in places when you've got, I mean, the difference between a great leader and a terrible leader is enormous. It can have so many far reaching implications. And, you know, it's not to say that CEOs always earn the right to, you know, to have a hundred thousand times more salary than the base worker. But if you have a great leader, they can really set the tone for an entire company. And I think the Xbox division had really poor leaders for a long time. Now they've got a great one. It's just, you know, a lot of cleanup, a lot of fixing. I bet in the next couple of years, we're going to see some stronger moves. And I do think they're going to stick with the Xbox as a platform. Because I think to them, it doesn't matter whether you're on the X or the S or the One or on your phone or on PC or whatever. Because all that money is going into their wallet anyway, as long as they got you at some point in the ecosystem, right? Yeah, So. But- but the only real, real quick retort to that, yeah, uh, it, is retort the right word? I don't know words. Yeah, go. I mean, sure, maybe. Sure, go. Try um, it. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I just did try it. <laughs> go um, for it. <laughs> is what you just said there? And again, I'm a optimistic person. This is me being pessimistic. This is me being a Brad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at my channeling my inner Brad. Is that like if someone says Microsoft doesn't care that you play it, where you play your game on your phone or on your computer or on your Xbox? that I want to say fuck you to that because A, what happens to my phone is shit or I don't want to play things on my phone. It's not the same as experience as my brand new TV that I just bought that I want to play something on my TV. And if you say buy it and you play it on your computer, my computer's fan is just running all the time. It's a piece of shit. Microsoft, you didn't help me out there. I'm not going to buy something for every platform. So that's the problem with that kind of cross-platform discussion, I think. I think, I think, I don't think that's what they're going for though. I think they want to give you options, right? So if you do have like, 
the most baller brand new foldable phone imported from Taiwan or something, then you can play something in there if you want to. If you've got a killer PC rig, you can play it there. But if you don't have those things, which I don't, I mean, I got a regular ass phone, janky phone, and I got like, you know, my PC works for email, but it doesn't really do games. But, you know, if you get the Xbox One or the S or the X or something, then you can play it there. I mean, they're just kind of giving options, I think, is the strategy where whatever matches for you, you can get the game that you want on the platform you want, kind of doing it the Burger King have it your way sort of philosophy, I think. I know, I get it, but the proof is in the pudding because it doesn't matter what all those platforms are, but there's nothing to play. Like, I I have to play something unique on that damn system. And you're right that they bought a bunch of studios and they're right, they've been working on Fable forever. And, you know, all that's things, yes and. And I was there a little bit. I can't talk about too much stuff I've seen still. But one of the things I saw that was very public was them working with other developers and then those games not coming out or fucking failing, you know? No, I mean, that's very true, very true. So again, I feel like this poison or something is in the water there. I don't get what it is, but whatever the people keep telling me, that some sort of ship is turning and you just said it again, it's fine. I just don't see it and I'm, I'm so out that it's ridiculous right now. Like they need to bring something like a title. And by the way, uh, I've never been like a huge Halo person. So Halo Infinite, even if it came out tomorrow, would not be my, oh, now I've got to go there, you know, to that, that ecosystem. Right. I don't know. I'm just so disappointed. Like I, I know people there and I just keep seeing new red and blue controllers. And I'm like, I don't care about that ecosystem. I just want to fucking play a game. I'm I mean, sorry. I'm very aggro. I'm very bad. I mean, that's totally fine. I mean, I get you. I mean, I think the case for this is, I mean, you know, some people really live and die by by those console exclusives, right? But, like, the console exclusives that Sony can boast, most of them don't really do anything for me, so I really don't care. Like, the Demon Souls I'm excited about. The rest of them, I'm like, okay, you know, fine, I'll play them. But it's not like I am slavering to go and buy the PS5 because I want to play those exclusives. Not really. Not really. I mean, I think I want to buy it just from the you know, games website editor perspective. So I'm not left out of the discussion, but I mean, I think that once you get into the game pass and I think just the idea for most people of playing a hundred plus 120, 150 games a month by only paying like $10 is like super appealing. And especially when you get like brand new AAA titles launching on game pass, that's mega appealing. You don't have to drop that 60 bones. Right. So I think for a lot of people, it's a real great value proposition, even if they, you know, and maybe a lot of people feel like me, maybe they don't really, get that excited about Sony exclusives? Because, I mean, for me, they're just not not that exciting. I know, but I'd love to have a separate discussion about that because I don't think that we're counting... When I say Sony uh, games for PlayStation, I don't necessarily mean just, like, exclusives. I guess they are exclusive, but there's a bunch of indie games that show up on that PS4 store, like, forever, right? All year, all last few years. For sure, but Xbox has tons of indie games, too, dude. I mean, I know, but I look at... I compare. I compare. I go to their shop, and, you know, it's like more times than not i'm picking up the ones that are placed on playstation i don't know it's not just like the I mean, the god of wars of, of the game you know system fair but just to be to, to be equally fair like i dip into all the stores i mean i've got xbox one ps4 and switch is what i'm hitting right now i mean i buy most everything on the switch but when you hop between the stores most of the indie stuff i mean a lot of it is on all three platforms and there are some pc slash xbox one exclusives that don't show up anywhere else, just like there are some PC slash Switch that don't show up anywhere else. In in the case of indies, 
I think that maybe PlayStation is the one who gets the least, honestly. That's weird because I play so many on there. I don't know. Whatever. Well, I can't. We can't do a, a full discussion until I get my Series X because I really do want to like delve. I mean, into I this. can't talk shit till I fucking buy any goddamn new next gen <laughs> console know, anyway. So, so whatever. We'll, we'll shelf this conversation. I wanted to bring it up because I just saw like a bunch of news and I saw that chart and then I also saw like more controllers and it's just it's so frustrating to me because. Yeah, I, I just, at the end of the day, I want to play a good game and a unique experience. And I had the Xbox One, you know what I mean? And yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't like something that was like moving me and shaking me yeah, to be like, You had wow. it during the dark times, dude, for sure. I mean, yeah. and there were some dark times, absolutely. Like, it's only really recently it's turned around. But I mean, for me, I'm going to get them all. I'm, you know, as soon as, as soon as I can find them, PS5, yeah. Xbox, and I'm going to keep the Switch. So I'm going to keep my options open i don't really need to tie my horse to any one particular wagon i'm gonna yeah. go all three directions my horse so. isn't tied i'm just bringing up the fact that the yeah what's the metaphor that there's horses and i don't know if i want to ride one of the horses anyways uh horse runs of, in all directions maybe i don't know last piece of housekeeping <laughs> is there's a new nintendo switch coming out is that confirmed because they say that yep. every month no 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 we just did you watch the trailer for the new game and everything no what did it come out today oh no it was like two days ago no, so, dude, I've been I've been hella fucking busy. Okay, breaking news: know. Nintendo Switch, red and blue. The dock is red, which everybody's freaking out about because I guess the dock's never been a different color. Um, it comes with super, or not? Doesn't come with, but you can also buy at the same time. I think February, Super Mario 3D World update and Browser's Fury, which Bowser's Fury is an open world Super Mario type game. What and, is the Let's go back to let's go back to the console roof. Is this just a color update? Is it not the, not a new It's not hardware? the pro. No, it's not the pro. It's just a color update. Okay, so eh, whatever. That's just But but color. watch, watch before you say whatever to some of us like me who only have the Switch Lite yeah. actually need the dock version so for this podcast I can review games on my TV like we talk about. Yeah. So yeah. for me, I'm going to pick up the red and blue Switch. Okay. Well, that's cool, but it's not it's not the new iteration no. of the switch it's just a different shell color and yeah you need the, yeah, the yeah. Docking. yeah okay i got you I got and you. i need the okay. dock for the tv so that's one thing is happening but the other thing is happening is that game looks fucking amazing it's like when i first saw odyssey how much i enjoyed the idea of the a little bit of western you know uh, influence in it uh where this is there's a remake but there's also bowser's fury which is this kind of real true open world um mario game and it looks really really fun very exciting news. I mean, the Mario games are always great, so that is definitely something to look forward to. Yep, so I just had to bring it up. Okay, that's a lot of housekeeping. All right, that is a lot of housekeeping. The house has, house has fully been kept right now. Let us jump into the actual content of the show. Um, let's keep it going with you, Carlos. You, for a long time, were bringing mystery games as the first segment. We kind of got off that for a while, but I think we're getting back on track. I do not know what the first game you're going to be talking about is. So uh, for here, today's episode, first chunk of the main content of the show. What is your mystery game, sir? Yeah, and I'd love to do this every episode if, if you'll allow me. Carlos I mean, it's a, you got to bring the mystery, man. You bring it, I'll, I'll listen Oof, to it. I got lots of mystery games they play. Um, so, oh my goodness, I actually remember I have another game I was going to talk about. <laughs> oh, man. I guess I have two mysteries. Okay, lay them on me, man. Uh, well, the other mystery will be later in the show. Okay, so this is the first mystery game, and it is, and I have a feeling that you're going to go, oh, no, or something I'm going like to groan. You're going to groan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. It's called Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just looked at this yesterday, yes. It's by Chemco, which also should make you groan. Yes, yes, okay, yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to yes. tell you why I love this game. Okay, tell me. Surprise. So what this game is, is such a simple RPG 
that is really a mixture of RPG and shop mechanic game. Oh, God. I'm getting getting tired. I'm losing energy, man. You're already losing energy. I'm losing energy. lost you and lost some of the audience. The reason why it works is essentially it's a character who his dad died and he's got to take over the blacksmith duties. And so there's like a little bit of shop element where you're crafting things. And then you go into dungeons and you just, you know, kill monsters and do battles and get resources and rinse repeat. That's basically the whole game. It's essentially you go into these dungeons and they could be forests or whatever. And you do auto battle too. So it's like literally oh, dude. almost. I, this sounds like wastemyfuckingtime.com. No, what is going on it here? Is it? It's so good. So remember how like some people liked uh, Idle Champion or was it Idle Warriors? Idle? I mean, there's many of those. Yeah, but the Idle Clicker sort of a yeah. game, right? So yeah, yeah. it's got that feel to it, but then it's got the same time. It does have a campaign that happens. And surprisingly, the story gets really interesting and a little bit drama. And you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting any of that. And it gets, the story gets told via like, um, you know, cutscenes, visual novel style. And so those happen every once in a while, just randomly when you go to a place. Um, but yeah, the whole loop is you go to these dungeon areas, you kill monsters, you have it on auto, but it's like a tactical thing where you're like, you're planning the strategy, you're planning the framing, you know, of the, um, the grid of your heroes. Then you yeah. can stop it at any time and do special moves and, and power-ups and stuff like that if you need to. But it's really about just getting stuff. It's very satisfying. And then when you get your stuff, you go back to town, you complete a bunch of missions. You maybe craft some stuff that helps you complete other missions. You get a little bit of story and then you go back and do more and for some reason that loop is so addictive to me i don't know oh, why man. i it's, mean i'm listening to you it's just it sounds like literally vanilla ice cream the game like i'm not what it like what is the hook though i don't what is the hook the only i would say that you're right and for some reason maybe because in this crazy world like it fits perfectly in my brain because it goes hey democracy's falling okay hold on why don't I just do this really relaxing vanilla loop of RPG craft, sell some stuff, you know, kill some monsters, and then we're okay. Everything's fine, Carlos. <laughs> comfort food. Yeah, it really is a comfort food. It's like a Trials of Mana, but it, it's much simpler. It's nothing deep at all. Like you said, it's like the most generic really kind of thing. But I guess the only hook would be, besides the addicted nature, believe me, I try to stop. Like, I was like, okay, well, this is obviously not very fun. I'm going to stop this right now. I can stop anytime I want to. I just I like could, the taste of it. Yeah. But wait, hold on. I'll just do one more dungeon because I, these resources are right here. You know, like, let me just get these. Might as well. And then when you get to the shop, you're like, oh, I'm sold out of this one thing. I should just make a bunch more rakes. You know what I mean? Come on. Like, the people want their rakes. Uh, and it's got, like, you know, the, what's it, uh, supply and demand kind of thing, which sure, also makes sure. you feel kind of good because it's not like that other stupid game that I don't think either of us liked where you do the t- uh, shop. Moonlighter? Yeah. Well, that one was frustrating to me. I don't know why. For some reason, the, the mechanics of it. and people, It was not a great game. People weren't buying my stuff. In this one, it's nothing like that. It's just like, yeah, everyone's going to buy your thing. It's just based on how much they're going to want it or whatever. Anyways, I guess the only other hook besides the addictive nature is that, that the story is kind of interesting. Like, you don't expect to get a story and you're just going back to do some resources or go to the bar to get some food or something. And all of a sudden, a a whole storyline starts happening. And you just kind of, like, you see it play out. So, anyways, it's my mixture game. I had no idea I would like it. I really, really love it. If you're, like, just life is too much and you want something that doesn't take up any of your brain power, but also somehow is relaxing, 
Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom. Kingdom. You know, I looked at it in the Switch store yesterday, and my eyes just, like, rolled as soon as I looked at the screenshots. I'm just... It's got that look about it, like, kind of a 16-bit JRPG sort of look to it, right? Is this that one? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. you top down. Exactly. Uh, I just looked at it, I'm like, oh, God, like, I can't... I, oh, my God, I can't even look at this for, like, one more second. I, oh just, my God. I don't play those games anymore, man. I can't do it. Okay, well, I'm telling people who do like those games that... If you uh, do like those. It's addictive and relaxing. And the other thing I brought it up for is we've never talked about this on the show, but it, it does go along with this game. This game I saw, because I'm hungry for games right now on the, on the PlayStation, um, you know, first world problems, but there's not many PS5 or PS4 games lots of times right now. I don't know, we're in a, a, a holding pattern. So I found this game on the website, playstation.com. Uh-huh. I ordered on the website, downloaded on the website, it went to my console, even though it's not available on my console. Interesting. I wonder why that is. Just the store hadn't updated yet or something? Yeah, I mean, lots of times it's not instantaneous. And it was like, the, it said the day of was the 7th or something. And it wasn't on my PlayStation. And it was like evening. And I was like, well, oh, fuck that. I want this game. So I went to that website. And here's a pro tip for people. If you don't see the game and you know it comes out, go to the website. You can get it. What is the game we're talking about? The Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom. Oh, this one. Oh, I thought you had a second one lined up. I'm like, I okay. do. I'll bring that one later. But... Yeah, Are you playing this on PS5? I sure am. Oh my god! <laughs> it's utilizing all of I've, the graphics. Yes, it's using all the horsepower of the PS5 for this little game that runs perfectly fine. On the it, Switch. it uses no trigger. <laughs> it uses no adaptive. None of that stuff. I was waiting for you to bust out some other game when you started about the first game. <laughs> oh, nice. I was like, oh, what is it? Oh, never. Oh, okay. All right. Whatever. Okay. Well, I, I did that. Bored. I just want to show right. him that technique that actually works. Yes. Who knows? Well, that's a good tip. That's a good tip. I don't often go to the PS5 uh, or, you know, I don't go to online for the PS4 very often, but that is a good tip. I'll let you do a game and then I'll tell you the other Mr. Game later in the show. Okay. That's fair. All right. That's fair. I got two that are kind of like in the same basket here. I'm going to run through them both really quickly. Uh, it seems to be visual novel season on the Switch right now. Uh, so I got two visual novels back to back. Didn't plan it that way, but it just kind of happened. The first one is called The Innsmouth Case, and that's I-N-N-S-M-O-U-T-H, The Innsmouth Case. I'm sure that any Lovecraft fan's ears just perked up because that is the, you know, one of the famous towns and one of his most famous stories, Shadow Over Innsmouth. Uh, and this is pretty much playing right off of that. They take the HP Lovecraft basic concept. I'm not going to talk about it here in case you don't know what it is. Uh, but if you do know Lovecraft, you probably already know where this is going. Uh, it's a visual novel where you play a detective, as you do in a lot of Lovecraft stories. Somebody comes to you with a missing persons case. They want you to go to Innsmouth, the town, and they want you to find their daughter. And then things kind of spiral out from there. The game, again, visual novel, very heavy on the novel, not so much on the visual, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, the writing is pretty good. It's kind of funny. Uh, but I, to me, I feel like when you bring a visual novel uh, to a console or something like that, like I don't want it to feel like I'm on an e-reader. Like I don't want to be like I'm on my Kindle. Like I want you to really take advantage of the platform, right? Like there's a lot of things you can do with a video game, um, you know, as, as medium. And I feel like this one could maybe do a little bit more. I suspect this was maybe like on iOS beforehand and maybe they ported it to Switch. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, but like you read, you do a bunch of reading. There's very few pictures. I could use a lot more pictures than there are. Uh, and then you get eventually get to a choice and it's like usually between two or three things like, you know, oh, I'm in this town. Would you like to go to the beach? Would you like to go to the hotel? Would you like to go to the forest? And you pick one 
and then it kind of plays out and then you just read what happens and then you sometimes you go back to your old choice or sometimes you move forward pretty simple pretty straightforward not a whole lot of gameplay to it it's basically just reading the story which again is a pretty well-written story kind of funny um not exactly for the kids uh because lovecraft generally isn't but i will say that they took a different spin on it for example i got to uh, a beach where a bunch of monsters were gathering and instead of getting killed or running away you get to partake in an orgy with the monsters if you would like to and oh like, you know, that took a turn that's a thing that can happen so it's cute and it's funny i wish there was more artwork and i wish there was more interactivity so it's very much novel in caps with visual and lowercase uh, but it's still, uh, you know, a little Lovecraft here and there is a fun thing to get. And it's on the Switch. Runs really nicely. That is the Innsmouth case. The second uh, visual novel that I'm playing is called Werewolf, the Apocalypse, Heart of the Forest. This is based on the White Wolf tabletop game, The World of Darkness. Uh, we talked about Vampire Coteries a while ago. This is in the same universe, but this time, obviously, Werewolf. You play a girl who travels to Poland because she wants to find out more about her family history. She gets there. She meets a bunch of locals in a town. They're chopping down this like really famous forest. And then you decide to take part in the protests to stop them from logging the forest. Gotta be honest, kind of boring. I'm not really super <laughs> excited about uh, saving a forest. And I know that, you know, with the werewolf mythos and how it plays out in the world of darkness is like werewolves are very like in tune with nature and they protect nature and stuff like that. So it makes sense, but it's not like super gripping so far. Although I will say that I really do kind of like the mechanics as you go through the story again, visual novel, a lot of novel. This is one that is very light on the visual, which is kind of a bummer. A lot of reading, a lot of reading and not very much to look at. I wish it was more of a balance, but the writing is good. Again, you make these choices and you have a couple different meters. You have like a rage meter. You have a, uh, it's like a willpower meter. And you also have like a health meter and depending on your choices, those meters will rise or fall and you'll have different options open to you. Like for example, you might want to tell somebody to fuck off, but you can't because you're not ragey enough. Right. So like, mm. or maybe, maybe you want to um, search for clues, but you're not calm enough. Like, you're too angry. So you, you can't think clearly and you can't look for clues. And so that's pretty cool. I do think that's pretty neat. I like that mechanic. And I've been playing as a very calm, uh, you know, cerebral werewolf so far, which is kind of interesting. I'm trying to like play with like as little rage as possible, but you could go the other direction and you could, you know, do it any number of ways. There's different branching paths. I think overall it's pretty cool and I like the mechanics. I just wish, uh, number one, that there was more, uh, more visuals. Like I want more visual in my visual novel. Also the artwork is pretty abstract, which I think is not a huge problem, but I feel like they don't, feature the characters enough and so sometimes they're talking about different characters and i'm like wait who was this and because they don't all come with a portrait right like sometimes oh, yeah sometimes the picture will be like the picture of a town and then one person's heads in the corner another person's heads in the foreground and it's like well okay i think this is my main character down here i think that's my friend is it maybe i'm not 100 percent sure it might be and then like two more characters show up and there's no portrait for them and it's like it's hard to remember who's who when you don't have a face to attach them to so Sounds i feel like, like you're reading a book <laughs> It's very much like reading a book. Yeah. Uh, so I wish there was a little more visual in these visual novels. But again, I like the mechanics. I think um, I don't really care too much about the forest, but being a werewolf was kind of cool. And I like I like that we're getting more and more visual novels on the Switch. I just wish they would lean more into the gamey side of it and the visual side. So yeah. Uh, first one, Innsmouth Case. Second one, Werewolf: The Apocalypse, Heart of the Forest. Both pretty good, but definitely more booky than gamey. 
Yeah, that brings me on a quick tangent because I keep waiting for you to review a visual novel that I'm like, that sounds like my my way into a visual novel. Now, I know the uh, vampire one was pretty darn good. I liked it, but it wasn't something that I was like, you know, really going crazy for. Yeah. Um, and I love the visuals, but it still wasn't something that hooked me because like, it's all about, like you said, it's a book, it's a story, it's characters. Yeah. Yeah. And so I haven't seen you review one that I'm like super excited about. I can't yeah. wait for you, for you to do that. But um, talking about the interactivity of these with these visual novels, do you remember those old books um, that you would? This is this is an old person story. Um, they were like like choose your own adventures, but then you would do like tabletop D and D in them too. I mean, there were a lot of fighting fantasy books. Is that what you're talking about? I don't know that name, that brand, but there was like one called Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf books too. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have not read those books, but I know what you're talking about. It's like a Final Fantasy or fighting fantasy style where you read. And then you like roll dice or you have a little yeah. stat sheet or something that goes along with the book. Yeah. Yes. yes. It was so amazing because it was, you know, I mean, this is probably pre Game Boy or like. Oh, yeah, for we, sure. We didn't have like those, you know, cool electronic. Nothing uh, electronic handhelds. back then. Yeah, so no. we were like, this is a yeah, mini fantasy that I can play out. Um, so I'm just wondering, why don't we see more of that in the visual novel realm where the interactivity is kind of like just a simple like fighting here and there. There was a game that I played and I didn't bring to the show that's on PS4 now that is similar to this, where it's a choose your own adventure and it's a story, but you get to decide what to do and there's a little bit of combat in it. I can't think of what it's called. I mean, that sounds exactly like Lone Wolf. I mean, that that is actually a game. I don't know if you know that or not, but those books did get a game and it actually was a pretty good game. Uh, I reviewed that a couple years ago. But I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I I think that the visual novel route is great, but there's so many little opportunities where you could add gameplay, you could add simple combat, you could add some stats, you could add some item management or something like that. Yeah. I feel like people just need to lean into that a little bit more because I I mean these are great. Like Werewolf is great, Innsmouth case, pretty fun, but it's like I I feel like I'm basically just reading too much and I want to play a little bit more game. So Yeah, again, we we didn't have that back then and now we have a device that can do all these things. Yeah. Right? So let us roll some dice, bro. Or something. Yeah. Anybody listening, if you know of a good blend of those, I would love to hear about it. Send us your suggestions or recommendations. I love that kind of style and I feel like we don't get those games very often. So at so video games, send it to us. Absolutely. Okay, I'm done for my first section. Let's turn it back over to you, Carlos. Um, I know you had something on the agenda, but did you want to hit your mystery game first? Uh, okay, I'll do the mystery game first. Okay. The mystery game number two. Number two? Is something I picked up today and beat today. Wow, okay. Uh, because it's more of a like a, a, a heartwarming story. So it showed up on the PS4 store randomly, and it was called Miss School's Quest. And that's M- M-I-S-K School's Quest. Misc schools. Okay, I've never even heard of this. Okay. Well, I think it might even came out today, but it's uh, you know about an hour and a half to two hour game, and it's an incredible story because as I researched it, it's t- put out by the Miss School in Saudi Arabia, which is like ages four, uh, grades four through seven, and so young people at this school, and the school is aimed to like evolve education, and they have classes like digital literacy and like um, just real world stuff as well as like uh, how you should like well-being, like a good well-being class and just a really interesting school. Um, and they somehow put out a game and this is the game they put out. And I guess they actually have their own software uh, called V-Game and that's their like development platform they put out. So it was really cool. I was like, what an interesting story. And it's $5. 
So is I was this like, about robots? Is it behind the back third person? Yeah, behind the back third person. Okay, I'm looking at the trailer now, and this I this is not what I imagined this game would look like. So it's incredible looking. It's like okay playing. I mean, it's it's just amazing what they pulled off. I don't know how long they've been working on it, but you know, it, this is like uh, grades four through six essentially. Who made this? And when I mean, I, that's incredible. This when, game looks great for little kids, man. Yeah, when when I was in grade four through six, I was like hitting rocks together, you know, like <laughs> I mean. I was eating dirt. I mean, come on, man. I definitely ate dirt. Yeah. And also, I think the most I did was I made comics, you know, but sure. The comics stayed on the page and that was it. They didn't I didn't animate them for fuck's sake. Um, oh, I wanted to make this friendly. I didn't I shouldn't have swore. I don't have to We've already that. had a lot of swearing so far. Okay. It doesn't matter. If the kids listen to this, listen, kids, don't swear. Uh anyway, so the year is thirty twenty, so past twenty seventy seven. And you <laughs> you play a robot who basically is going around uh, not killing other robots, also very cool. You're just shutting them down because they've like went wrong and they're like right. attacking. So you shoot this little laser out of your hands and it just shuts them down and turns them back to normal. Something so simple like that. And I was like, holy crap. Almost swore again. You can, we, we, we can this swear, is the, dude. This, and is, this is the kids department. They might be it's listening. It's an explicit show, though. It gets the explicit tag regardless. So Kids, I'm not going to swear anymore. Anyways, it is such a like nice change of pace you know what i mean it's not taking people's heads off it's not just destroying things it's like no we're just gonna laser beam them back to normal and then they just stop attacking you what a simple thing you know interesting you know i'm I'm gonna check this out because watching the trailer looks pretty cool and if it's only like one or two hours long i'm definitely down for that i love those little bite-sized experiences and if it goes to support these kids in their school like in the Middle East or whatever. I mean, fuck yeah, I'll totally do that. Yeah, it's super cool. And he, he, there's a couple of things I want to say about it. One, that's the whole the story of the game is basically go to these different environments. There's like 10 of them. You take out all the robots, again, turning them back to normal. But they can kill you because they do shoot back at you. And you pick up little um, resources uh, along the way and health, etc. Uh, and then in between, you ride this little hover bike. And essentially, it's just kind of a maze game where mm-hmm. you can just move left and right. And you just got to find the portal. Um, I think that's kind of nice. It's a little to, you know, shake it up a bit. Break it up, sure. Yeah. yeah. But what it really got me thinking is two things. One, I love that you don't have to kill things. And I wish more AAA developers and everybody actually would just make more games where you take out enemies, in quotes, but not killing them. Okay? Two, um, what's crazy is that it got me so much wanting, like, a Mass Effect game. Because this third... It kind of looks per- like it. Yeah, this third person running around shooting things feeling like I'm sci-fi, um, you know, you're not dodge rolling and all that kind of stuff that you would get out of a, a, a bigger title, but it, it, you don't need it. It's really addictive. Just kind of run around the hallways and shoot things. So it really made me want like a Mass Effect game. Um, and the only thing I'll say for them, if they are listening, when you when you run, because you want to run a lot in this game, they have it where you click in on the, you know, the analog stick. Oh, that's no good. Well, here's the only thing I'm telling them so in case they listen just next time you do that or if you do an update to the game have it be click in and then just let it keep running but right now you have to hold it clicked in oh that's terrible kids don't do that bad, yeah, yeah yeah no bad, one bad. no one do that it's just, just you know constructive criticism that's the worst they can patch that easily <laughs> you can easily patch that so just kids no i shouldn't say kids whatever i guess they're whoever's kids. doing it just turn that to like make it just auto run as soon as you yeah, make it, it a toggle toggle on that's toggle on so with that toggle on, even with that, though, I still played through the whole thing. I just like pretty much one sitting and it was really enjoyable. So good on you. Miss School's Quest. It's five bucks. 
good good cause because it's kids making games uh and it looks really good sometimes like i'm like holy crap it is not an ugly game i'm this is exciting to me i'm gonna go download this once we get off the show thank you for bringing this i think that's a great game too this is a great yes that's an excellent pick i'm very glad you brought this up okay there you go all right now now we're done with mystery game two let's get down to pre-planned not a mystery game uh you're bringing something else to the show grindstone um, I have not played this, but it comes from a developer who I absolutely cannot remember their name right now, but I love their other games. Do you know who develops this? No, but I'd like to know, and we could have looked it up, it. but we don't do I homework. I am totally blanking on their name, but I love I love these guys. can't remember them, but they're great. I'll look it up in a second. Grindstone was the killer app for Apple Arcade. Uh, when Apple Arcade debuted, it is now on the Switch. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else, uh, but you have put some time into Grindstone. Why don't you tell us about it, Carlos? Yeah, I didn't know that it came out for Apple uh, platform because I don't have any Apple stuff right now, and I never got that arcade. You said you played arcade for a little while and then got bored with it. Is that right? Yeah, it was kind of like Game Pass, but like all the games felt very like not great. I mean, there's a couple that were okay, but a lot of them felt like they were like phone games that were just blown up on a TV, and I just right. you know, just wasn't feeling it. Well, this is uh, perfect for the Switch, perfect for that kind of relaxing in bed thing. Uh, the art looks like Ren and Stimpy and Adventure Time. A uh, mixture of those two, which very are very cool so, yeah. for me. And the there's actually animation, which is really great. Like some really beautiful animation, not just in the cutscenes, which there are a few, uh, but also just in the animation of the little character running around. So the game is essentially like a match three type game, but you kill monsters and you're this big, huge, like barbarian dude. It's also a roguelike game, which normally I run away from screaming. But because the animation's so good, the addictiveness properties are so good, it's done so smoothly. So whenever you kill these monsters on the screen, you watch that animation. I know it's just talking about not killing things, but <laughs> in this one, it's very cartoony. And so what you try to do essentially is like a match three game, you're matching monsters together and you're chaining them together. And if you can draw a line between you know you and the rest of the monsters, then you'll kill all those monsters. Now, some monsters can be aggroed, which means if you land on a spot near them, they will attack you. Um, and then there's also some bigger monsters like bosses, like mini bosses that show up on the board just randomly. They'll just jump onto the scene. And if you kill them, you get special things like resources, etc. And essentially what you're trying to do is get to a certain number of monsters you've killed to leave the stage. And then it looks like a, a lot of other phone games where you're like going to the next stage and going to the next stage. The difference is in between stages at any time, you can go back to the inn and you can power up, get your power ups there. You can... If you died, you have to like re, you know, fill your life. But you can also get um, extra weapons. So, like, say a shield that you craft can help protect you. So when you land on a square where a monster would hit you, now it won't hit you because you have a shield. So those little touches are nice, as well as you can like kind of catalog all the monsters you found, which is also cool. And then you can craft even other like potions and stuff. So the what what do you call it? Like the progress system. Yeah, the unlocks of progression, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff feels just enough. And, like, I keep feeling I could get just a little bit stronger sword or just a little bit better, like, bow and arrow or something that helps me get past that next board that I've been having trouble with. Um, that's pretty much it. It's just a relaxing game with incredible animation. I can't stress that enough. I, I would love more games to do this, like the 2D animation part. You know, actually, like, animate all the movements of a character swinging the sword or whatever. It never gets old when you kill, like, one of the mini-bosses. You know, like, a mini-boss will pop up on the screen, and you do, like, this sick animation of, like, him pulling his sword up, and, you know, 
the gore. But uh, <laughs> it is really, really satisfying. Um, it's a roguelike, so I could get annoyed with it after a while. I don't know. But I'm like 30, 20 or 30 boards in now, and I haven't got bored with it. It's really, really satisfying. Excellent. Excellent. I looked it up when you were talking. It's Capybara Games or Cappy Games. As oh, Cappy. Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done a number of games. Um, and I was pretty good friends with Nathan Vela, who was there for a long time. Apparently, he's not there anymore. I'm not sure where he went off to. But um, yeah, they made a lot of really cool games. And uh, that was like, I did a review for one of their earliest puzzle games. And I had a pretty interesting interaction because I kind of trashed it at first. And then it kind of led to us having more of a discussion about how games are made and about what critics, you know, value. And it became kind of a good friendship after that, which was great. So I, I always have a special place in my heart for Cappy Games. Um, but yeah, Grindstone on the Switch. It's like 20 bucks. I was going to buy it if it was like 10. And yeah, I know that, that sounds terrible. Much. No, that seems a little much for what it is because it feels like a glorified phone game, really. I mean, and it did start on the phone, to be fair. And right. I, you know, I, I know these guys do good work. I'm sure it's a really fun game. A lot of people have been praising it, but it's like $20 for a game on the Switch is like a little... I mean, I, I, I'll buy anything on the Switch for like 15 right? But for some reason, 20 feels like a bridge too far, and so I'm going to catch it on sale. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fair assessment. But I would say this, you know, it's very rare that I, A, even play Switch games in bed, because that's more of a, a you thing. That's a me thing. And I did, last time was Yes, Your Grace, right? Is that what it's called? That's a great game. Yes, your yeah. grace is wonderful. So yes. I played, that was the one that got me to keep playing until three in the morning or something in bed. And this is the second one. Cause I was like, my eyes are sore. Why is that? <laughs> and then I looked over and it's like one I'm like, Oh, uh, I'll just play a couple more boards. It's literally that addictive. It is so yummy. What a good game. Oh, and by the way, last thing, every once in a while you'll, you'll see like a bonus stage. Uh, and literally the last time I saw a bonus stage, it animated out a comic strip. Like a oh, a, really? Yeah, a new character showed up, and it was just like a comic strip went by of this new character that brought me into a bonus world. And I was like, if they do more of that, this is going to get really good. Interesting. I know my wife played it for a while. She really liked it a lot. I'm not sure if she finished it, but she put quite a bit of time into it. And that was one of the very few games on Apple Arcade that, that any of us went back to more than once. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it definitely seems like some good stuff. I just... I mean, I know that, you know, people got to get paid. A lot of work goes into making a game, but 20 bucks for that game felt like just a little bit too much. So I'm going to wait. It's a recommend whenever you can afford it. Yeah, there you go. All right, cool. Cool, cool. I am now going to talk for a brief bit about the Monster Hunter Rise demo, which is currently available on the Nintendo Switch. Wait, Very... I don't know this. What is this? You don't know this? No. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to okay. tell you right now, Carlos. Wait, you're going to tell me on the show. I'm going to tell you right now on this show. You're going to tell me now about the Monster Hunter Rise thing. Exactly so. Yeah. Right now. So okay. we, all, we all know about Monster Hunter World. That was um, Capcom, one of their best-selling games of all time, I believe, uh, taking the Monster Hunter long-running franchise to the console. Big console, big TV, huge success for them. Uh, I got to be honest, though, like Monster Hunter World was not my jam. I'm like Mr. Monster Hunter, and it just didn't click with me. So I bounced after like 100 hours, and that sounds like a lot. <laughs> I know, after 100 hours. It's like, that sounds like a lot for any other game, but for Monster Hunter, that's like no time at all. Like, I mean, I'm usually like five, 600 hours into a Monster Hunter game, and for me to bounce after 100 is like, hmm, that's weird. That's un that's unusual. Mm. So I, I, you know, I left, and I'm like, you know, I still love Monster Hunter, but it's just, that one just didn't scratch my itch. I feel like Rise is going to be the thing that gets me back in and gets me back on fire again. Going back to the Switch, so everybody who loved Monster Hunter World will know the pain of being a Monster Hunter fan and having that franchise bounce between platforms. 
First, it's on, like, you know, the Switch. Then it's on the Wii. Then it's on the Vita. Then it's on somewhere else. Like, if you're a Monster Hunter fan, you, you got to follow that game wherever it goes. And it goes places. It does not stay on the same platform for whatever reason. So, it's on the Switch now. Uh, coming out in March. I think March 20th or something like that. Like, third week of March. Very excited. Um, and I'll tell you why. So, basically the same Monster Hunter formula. Third person, real-time action, you're a hunter... You go after giant monsters with your weapons. A lot of them are like low-tech weapons like swords, but there's also a couple guns and stuff. And you beat these monsters yourself or win a group up to four people. After you beat a monster, you carve them for parts. You use those parts to make more weapons and armor. You know, the cycle repeats as you get tougher and tougher, better weapons, harder monsters, etc., etc. Long-running series. I feel like most people in gaming probably have at least heard of it if they haven't played it by now. Uh, not for everybody. Not for everybody is definitely like kind of a an acquired taste, but it's something that I really enjoy a lot, and I'm excited. It's coming back to the Switch for a couple reasons. I mean, number one, I just I feel like the Monster Hunter World, the aesthetics, um, kind of went awry for me. I I really like the old school, like more Japanese, like slightly more exaggerated, slightly more humorous, slightly more colorful. Um, I feel like Monster Hunter World got really westernized all of a sudden, and I just really didn't like the way that it looked. And for me, aesthetics are everything. I mean, co you know, fashion. Fashion in Monster Hunter is super important because you have all these different outfits and all these different weapons, and you want to look like a, a badass every time. And if you don't feel good about the way you look, that's like half the game right there is like looking awesome. So that was a big uh, blow. I'm glad to see that the new armor sets look great. They look kind of how I want them to look. I'm very excited about that. Also, a lot of new mechanics. Uh, all the all the old weapons are returning. I don't think there's any new weapons, but all of them have been reworked. They've been overhauled. They all control a bit differently. There's a new system that uses um, I don't know exactly what it's called. It's called like wire wiring or something, where you can zip around the map by doing little micro grappling hooks all over the place, which is pretty cool. You have a dog that you can ride, which I think is really fun. You can get some armor and weapons for the dog, and then you can ride the dog to get you places faster. And, I mean, it's just, you know, it's Monster Hunter again. It's probably not going to, like, turn anybody to the Monster Hunter side if you're not already there. But if you like Monster Hunter and you want more of it and you're done with the world, this is great. I mean, I'm really looking forward to kind of a getting back to the old school flavor of Monster Hunter, which is where I am most comfortable and where I think it's the best. So, very excited to see uh, that old school stuff return. I have uh, some thoughts. Well, one, yeah. the dogs are called wyverns. It says wyverns. No, they're called something else. The wyverns are the monsters you fight. I don't know what the dogs are called. They're called oh, okay. something. Dogs are dogs. Because uh, yeah. it, it says wyvern riding, and so I didn't know if that No, means. you can do that because, so that is another thing I didn't mention that, but the wyverns are the monsters that you fight. You So this is a totally new mechanic where you can actually ride the monsters you're fighting if you beat them up enough, and then you can control them to, like, make them smash into other monsters or to oh. attack other people. That's a brand new thing, but, yeah, that's not Okay. I, I probably just sounded like a super newbie because I said Wyvern. And the people were like, they're, they're idiot. They're, that's a monster. <laughs> not um, going to call you out, but, you know. You, you can because uh, famously on the show, we talk about this game, and I didn't like it because I didn't want to sharpen my sword. That's and, true. Uh, and you loved all the, you know, handheld versions. And I actually liked Monster Hunter World because it was less sharpening of swords and it was more westernized. Also so that true. makes sense, right? And so, I, of course, I don't know what the monsters are called. Um, but I did have a good time with that. And I also played it about 100 hours. But for me, that was a long time. For you, that's a short time. Uh, this looks like, and I'm wondering if you like it mainly just because it went back to handheld. I, I don't really care so much that it's handheld. I got to be honest with you. Like, aesthetics to me with Monster Hunter are really, really, really important. 
And I just never really liked the way that my character looked in World. I didn't like the way the weapons looked. I wasn't a big fan of many of the hmm. monsters. And it just, it just didn't feel as cool to me. Like, I really missed the old school, like, heavily Japanese design influence. That was really what got me into it. And it just... some I, I bought the art books, right? Like, the art books are these giant telephone book things. I've got, like, all three of them for the Monster Hunter series. And looking at the art style, shit's amazing. Like, it's so beautiful. Like such balanced design the way that you can see the monster pieces incorporated into the armor and the weapons is just amazing oh, i mean yeah. it just really feels like you know you fight this big monster you want to show that off to your friends be like hey check out this armor guy and they know where you got it from because it looks like the monster that's awesome dude that's that's the best you yeah. show up with a big sword and it's like glowing and it's got rainbow colors and shit and people are like oh my god it's amazing like where'd you get that but like in in world i never felt that it just felt like i'm a dude in some armor and i look like it's like western armor and like nobody could tell what your pieces were from and you know, like, it just didn't feel great. Like, and, and to me, that's really important. I know that's not everybody's most important aspect. for, But for me, if I didn't feel awesome, I just didn't want to play it. No, I get that. And I can, I can see that same thing because I didn't feel like it was the armor was very unique in the Monster Hunter world. But it looks like it is more in this uh, new version. So I'll check it out because I have a Switch. And I'll have a Switch Pro. Or not Pro, but... I'll uh, switch that I can play it on my TV at some point. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, check it out. It might not. It, it probably will convert you because it feels like it's kind of going back to the old school style. And I know you don't care for that too much, but for those people who like the older style more than World, which is me, um, kind of exciting news. Well, let me just clarify that last piece: is that I mine just in the playability, not on the style. Like the aesthetics, I think true, are cool. true, true. If if I have to sharpen my sword more, I'm out. That's it. That's like it's really just about the sar- sword sharpening. It's about the sword sharpening. <laughs> Something's so simple. All right. All right. So that's me on Monster Hunter Rise. The demo is still available. Uh, you can demo single player. You can demo multiplayer. But I will say up front, they do not give you a lot of information in this demo. I think they're kind of expecting you to just kind of stumble your way through. Maybe look up, uh, you know, a YouTube video or something like that. You can check out Gaijin Hunter's video. He's doing some videos for those. Those are great. He's a great guy. Uh, but like, if you've never played a Monster Hunter and you play this demo. You're not going to know what the fuck is going on. You're not going to know how to control anything. Don't let that put you off. Like, wait for the full game. Maybe watch some videos. Get into it. It's a real steep learning curve. But don't count on this demo teaching you jack shit. So just fair warning. Cool. All right, Carlos. Um, we're almost to the end of our game content. I have a quick update on Odyssey. But before we get to that, you wanted to come back to Cyberpunk 2077, where you live with your wife, Pan Am. Yeah, I don't know that music. There's that one theme song. I didn't do it. I know. Yeah, that's that's fine. Jam, it's close jam, enough. Jam, jam. Welcome, Night City. But I was. Uh, yeah. So I, I. Well, Pan Am. We don't know where she is. So you know. She's still MIA. Okay. She's MIA. Yeah. She's not MIA. The rapper, which is awesome, but she's missing. Um, so there's a couple updates that are really interesting, and I just wanted to tell you, Brad Galloway, that uh, mm-hmm. these stories as well, um, and then we'll do an update with you on your game. So first off. An announcement happened today at the time of this recording from CD Projekt Red and the main dude, which I always forget his name. Like you developer? Know. No, the main guy who owns like the whole place. The main guy. Uh, I don't know. The owner of the company? Yeah, yeah, Anyways. I don't know what his name is. Is it okay. Mr. Red? It's Mr. Red. So Mr. Mr. Red said today, yeah, that uh, it was a really heartfelt, like, you know, seven minute uh, video about you know they're sorry that the process went the way it did here's why a lot of it happened here's what we tried to do to fix it and here's our plans for the future and it was super honest 
and it was super great to hear. Like it was a really awesome statement. I still think that the class action lawsuit stuff is fucking bullshit and stupid, but I really do appreciate them coming out and talking about, like you said last time we talked about it, the review codes and that kind of stuff. They mentioned all that. So I think it was really cool for him to can come you, out. Can you nutshell it. really quickly? I didn't see it. I mean, can, like in, a, in, a, in one sentence, like why did it happen the way it happened? Yeah, I mean, they tr- they basically were aiming for PC, I think. And I think that they thought that the console, they said this, he, or he said it, Mr. Red, um, that they thought that the console would be easier. They just thought that they were really focused on the PC to make it like an amazing looking game with no load times and be this incredible experience they kept talking about, which for the most part on the PC and parts of PS5, most of the time in PS5, they kind of accomplished what they were doing. And that's not to talk about the AI and some other weird you know, physics issues, but in general, uh, they were hitting close to their mark, but they just way under prepared for the console ports mm. and, and, and they owned up to that. And they said it wasn't like overworked or, I mean, obviously there was crunch and stuff like that, but it was more about them just being way off on where they thought they were and how quickly they thought they could just turn it around. Um, and then they said some great stuff about like new DLC in a month or two, probably, I think single player. Um, which of course makes me ecstatic because sure, I sure. played the shit out of it. And I'm sure a lot of people who play PC and PS5 or Xbox Series X are excited. So I I tons about, of people are ready for more content. Yeah. So DLC there, uh, two new big patches, one in nine days from now, uh, which he gave an exact date. And he's like, that patch will do a lot of fixing and that kind of stuff. So it was just really, really cool. And, you know, gave a little more confidence to people who love it and want to see them succeed. Um, that's my intro. So okay. That, that okay. Thing. But I just want to tell a couple of stories because essentially what happened is, you know, I beat the game. I've played every side quest. There's only two side quests left and they're both bugged. Oh, no. <laughs> so I can't, I can't finish them. It doesn't matter. But like I can't finish them. So they're just sitting there waiting until a patch. So I've, I've, I've finished the map, bro. Like I finished the map. You did every single thing on the map, man. Yeah. The only thing that's not the only thing that still keeps popping up are those random like things that just always pop up where like, oh, there's a crime here. Go take out these bad guys. Oh, does it? I didn't know that, but it randomly generates like um, just generic events generic. just to give you something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those pop up and that doesn't count. But the actual side missions, which there are a lot of them, I've done all of them. So what I decided to do now, which if you follow me on YouTube, which you should, youtube.com slash a lot of things, um, and follow me on your phone because you'll get- On the phone. You gotta see the these short videos I'm making. The short videos are taking off because I'm essentially going outside the map of cyberpunk and exploring all the stuff that's out there that you don't, they don't want you to see. And have we talked about this in the show yet? A a little bit, a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit. I'm going to tell two stories from being outside the map just to tell you and to tell our audience. And again, some of these videos are on the, most of these videos on the YouTube. So YouTube to come slash a lot of things. So the first one is you go outside the, this, like, this is a huge like wall. Yeah, they built the wall. Oh, God. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's a too wall. Too soon, too soon. It is way too soon. And you can get outside the wall by going through these rocks that are, like, essentially open. Like, the graphics are not finished. And you get outside <laughs> the rocks, and then you're on the other side of the wall, which means you're on the outside of the map, and you're not supposed to be there. There's so many mystical, amazing, crazy, broken things out there. But I'll tell you two stories. One, you can get essentially back to the beginning of the game, so in the beginning of the game, you start in a town way outside. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. If you play as a nomad. Yeah, I guess you don't start outside if you don't play as a nomad. But I started as a nomad and you start way outside of Night City. 
So you can go and travel to that town if you get outside the map. If you don't start as a nomad, does that mean that location is forever locked, locked probably. away from you? Yeah, yeah, probably, because you can't get there through uh, any other means. Interesting. So anyways, I went back to look at my old town, which is nice. And I also went to the Border Patrol, which is in the intro of the game for me as a nomad. And the Border Patrol is still there, but there's all these people that are frozen. It looks scary, you know, like just cars half floating, things, you know, they're not expecting you to be there. You know what I mean? Right, right. No one's ever going to come back. We'll just put these things looking like robots. But if you go anywhere near the Border Patrol, even though you're like not supposed to be there, you instantly die. Like the Border Patrol just kills you. So it's just like American Border Patrol then. Right. There you go. <laughs> Last story I'll tell you. And then if you want to see more, go to my YouTube. Um, there's been, there's this floating building and it's like, you can't reach it in any real means, but you can see this building floating somewhere out there on the map. And it looks really interesting. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get in there. So I used one person's YouTube video. I only think a few people have done this. And what you do is you, you call for your cars out there. You can call for cars, your vehicles to show up. Uh-huh. And I have like a ton of them, like 10 or something. And so you jump on one of them, you call for another car while you're on top of the car and it puts the other car in the air, just a little bit higher. So you make a staircase out of cars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After you make the staircase of cars, which took me an hour or something. Oh my God. Okay. You can jump off the top car and get to that building. And so what the building is, is fucking scary, bro. What's inside of it? I just put a video up of this. All right. um, it's a haunted high school. So it's a high school with a basketball court, and you've got to do some work to get inside it. Like I had to like squiggle, swiggle through a real like weird wall, you know, and you're not glitch your way to, into it. Yeah, I glitched my way in. I glitched okay. in and was so excited. I was like, got the like heebie-jeebies. And it's a high school, like with lockers and everything, and it's a high school. And I'm walking through the high school hallways, and it's dark and creepy, and this sounds start happening like like specters like it's a ghost <laughs> sound it's really scary dude and then is there's this, like a, I, I wonder if they're gonna use this for the dlc or was this something they were just fucking around with and never I, meant for anybody to see it i don't know but there's a cafeteria and i went to cafeteria and there's a, like a like you know those where you have the awards and stuff like a little like a uh, trophy case trophy case and stuff but it, there's nothing too much in there but it looks you know exactly like an old high school and it's creepy and the and the music slash like grown sounds there's just like this is terrible sound and i was like i need to leave <laughs> <laughs> so i found a creepy high school in the sky outside of and that's just one of the many things that are out there there's some crazy shit out there it's interesting because you know i i don't do a lot of stuff like that um i don't like to like glitch things out and do you know explore oh. bugs and all that but i know that sometimes developers will put weird things in their games because they're testing something out or they're trying to technique or they're trying to test, you know, just build something for fun and then they lock it away because they don't want anybody to ever see it. It's not supposed to actually be in the game. And I wonder if that's maybe like, you know, they were fucking around. Maybe they saw a movie, wanted to build something just for fun because they were going crazy in the dev office. And yeah. maybe that's, maybe it'll be DLC. Maybe it's something that was never meant to be seen. Who knows, right? Well, when I make a, like a 2D game, like there's, when anybody makes a 2D game, you put a ton of stuff off screen. Right. Like that's what you do. You put resources, you put like a weird wall, you put like a building because you you've got to put them somewhere, you know. Right. So that, that's essentially what they were doing. But you think they would have deleted it before uh, shipping. I don't know. But there's other stuff out there. It's crazy. Follow my YouTube, but also just go explore for yourself. Um, it's crazy. I love doing that. I, that's like my middle name is like find weird things in games. 
That's a that's a weird middle name your mom gave you. It is, and it was uh, by birth. <laughs> she was like she was like a fortune teller. It's too bad she, she didn't knew give any like lotto numbers while she gave me that name. No, no, she knew. She's like he's gonna want to find weird shit in games. This is my son. I feel it. That's my legal <laughs> name, by the way, Carl's Weird Shit in Games. That is great. Riddell. I love that. It must be take up a lot of space on your driver's license. I just call I just call myself Carlos. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, check out Carlos's YouTube videos. Check it out on the phone if you like. Um, quick updates from me, and then we've got one question from a listener, and then we're going to wrap it up. First off, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show, but this season in Fortnite, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite with my son and my wife, and we win pretty often, which is great. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. No, what I'm talking about is that there's a lot of uh, guest stars this season. You know, Fortnite is the license that kind of combines all of the license. It is the, the Uber license, right, where, like, any pr- property from entertainment can sometimes find its way in Fortnite. This season more so than ever. I mean, we started off with The Mandalorian. Uh, soon after that came Kratos from God of War. After that, we got uh, Michonne and Daryl from The Walking Dead. Uh, and now, uh, coming to Fortnite is The Predator. The motherfucking Predator what? is going to be in Fortnite. Uh, the preliminary to his event is was today. I'm very excited. I think the Predator is awesome. One of my favorite properties in sci-fi. Super looking forward to the Predator coming to Fortnite. That's going to kick ass. I'm very stoked. So in case you have not been following Fortnite, there's all sorts of crazy shit. Did I mention Master Chief? Master Chief was in Fortnite this month, too. Oh, jeez. So uh, there's lots of guest stars this month, more so than usual. And maybe time to check out Fortnite if you haven't been back in a while. But that's not my main update. No. Uh, I Wait, wait. To to that point, though, real quick. Did you ever see my sketch about Fortnite? Which one? I did one about Fortnite. It basically, here's the whole sketch. The one character goes, um, hey, did you hear what they added to Fortnite? And you and said it, everything, right? Yeah, and he goes, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. in the universe explodes. Because, yeah, they just want, you know, like, Mogwise are going to be in it soon. Gremlins. I wouldn't be surprised. Would not. It would It would not surprise me, dude, at all. Yeah. Like, it could be anything. Smurfs. And that's, Smurfs should could be. be I'm surprised they're having Smurfs already, dude, honestly. Like, it would be... It'd be amazing. And that's the beauty of Fortnite, right? It's like they've crafted it in such a way as they can allow for literally anything to be in their game and no one blinks twice at it because that's just what Fortnite is, which is brilliant. So anyway, looking forward to the Predator. But no, what I wanted to say was I wanted to circle back to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I've been playing it for the last couple weeks. Uh, I just finished it last night. I finished the base game, uh, the main campaign at about, uh, I think I wanted it was like 48 hours or 50 hours or something like that went back and finished like some of the extra I don't know if it's like the true ending or whatever but I got like another extra special ending after that and wrapped that up and now I'm kind of doing cleanup on all the quests and I gotta say I really have been enjoying it I think that overall pretty good game and it's really easy to forget that it's Assassin's Creed game it feels just like kind of an open world kind of a witchery adjacent sort of thing and I just I really like spending time with the main character and after I have, you know, quote unquote, finished it, looking back on it, I think it's pretty good. Like, I think it's actually better than it has a right to be considering what Ubisoft has done in the past. But I think my main complaint about this game is that the developers seem really afraid to get away from the base Assassin's Creed gameplay. And by that, I mean doing parkour, stealth assassinating dudes, riding horses back and forth between locations. Like, you can do that in basically any Assassin's Creed game. But I think that's not really where this game is the strongest. Like, the moments of Odyssey that I liked the best were when it was two characters talking to each other. Because I think they have some pretty strong characters in this game. Um, Unfortunately, you don't spend a whole lot of time talking to them the way that you would in, like, a Mass Effect or a Witcher. Like, there's no, like, um, you know, companion quests or, like, loyalty quests or anything like that. I wish there were more. 
and maybe there's some I haven't gotten to yet. But so far, I often like really like the moments where I'm just talking to my guys on my ship or like something happened and we're having a little moment. We're all circling the wagons. We're talking about stuff like those are my favorite moments. And I think that when it does lean into those moments, it's pretty good. Cassandra is a great character. I think there's some good story bits today. I, I did a story quest that was with uh, Herodotus who is a famous Greek person in real life and he's on your ship and he's your friend and you just have a couple moments where you're just kind of chatting and I was like oh man it's like pretty heartfelt like I really like that moment and I wasn't killing anybody wasn't spearing anybody wasn't sneaking anywhere so I feel like it's a really good game I, I I'm glad that I came back to it I, I started it a while ago and I wasn't feeling it I put it on a shelf forever wasn't sure I was ever going to get to it but I'm really glad I came back to it and I, I'm glad I waited until I was in the right mood for it because I mean clearly I've already put like 50 60 hours into it it's not a small play um, I just, I wish that they had kind of leaned into the other parts of it and not been so afraid. Like, for example, there's one part where Cassandra gets captured, loses her weapons. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. We're going to change up the formula. She's got to escape from prison. She doesn't have her gear. And that was really fun. But the reality of it was you kill literally two henchmen and then you get your gear back. It was like a 30 second sequence. Yeah. I could have played 15 minutes like that, 20 minutes like that without your weapons. Or there's one uh, area I think I mentioned before where you're doing a debate and the debate is like three sentences long. I could have done that for like 20 minutes. I would have loved a 20 minute debate where you talk about things that you've done and it's kind of like a memory test or it's like a, a philosophy test or something. I mean, Greeks are all about philosophy. They could have really leaned into that. So I, it kind of bums me out that they never really let you go more than a minute or two without having you sneak up on somebody and assassinate them. And I get that it's Assassin's Creed, but this game has so much more to offer that if they had gone a little bit further afield, I feel like it would have been a stronger experience overall. But that is that is not to say I didn't enjoy it. I think I enjoyed it very much and I'm still playing. I plan to come back and do the Lost Tales DLC, which was the free one. I'm going to do the other two DLCs as well. Um, interesting stuff in here. I think Cassandra's great. Overall, really like it a lot. I just wish they had branched out a little bit more because I feel like it's dangerously close to being like a Witcher or like a Mass Effect. And Dude, I wish they had gone a little bit further. I got one word for you, buddy. It's Valhalla. Yeah. You know, I got to get that PS5, bro. Gotta I know. That I know. What, what I'm saying is everything you just said, they, they did that. Like, that's what they that's what they're leaning into. And I feel like that next game, hopefully we'll get rid of the Assassin's Creed license and we'll get what we want, which is what they're doing well. Um, like there's a there's a whole quest line in Valhalla where you just I think I told you about it you go trick or treating, yeah yeah um, yeah and there's like one there's a lot of like main missions that you'll you know have to clear out this whole area but instead of like assassinating people which by the way remember I think I told you I didn't like the people that talked to talked to me about assassinating in mm. in Valhalla I was like no I don't want to do that stuff <laughs> like I, I'm more concerned about what's going on in this land. You know, yeah, yeah. And they really lean into everything you just talked about. Um, there's a lot of stuff to where I'm not fighting. And there's a, like, uh, this is not too much of a spoiler, but there's like one kind of, um, what's it called? Like a vision quest, you know? Like a, yeah, yeah. You go out and like just kind of figure stuff out, and it's a lot of talking. And there's tons of dialogue story in Valhalla. So I think what you're missing is in that game. But I agree with you that I had a great time doing the mainline uh, game of, of Odyssey. It's good stuff. And, you know, I know that Odyssey doesn't it, it doesn't lean into the Greek myth stuff too much because they kind of keep it like I mean, realistic is maybe not the right word to use, but like they kind of keep it like, you know, not too fantastical, although they do have some of the older Assassin's Creed like, uh, you know, whatever the, the precursor civilization elements. I mean, that's in there, too. But they did lean into a little bit because there are, I think, four 
fabled monster battles that you can do in Odyssey, and those are awesome. Like, I'm really glad those were there. Like, you're fighting the Cyclops, the Medusa. Um, what is it? The uh, oh, Cyclops, yeah. Medusa, Minotaur, and the Sphinx. So, like, I, I love that those were in there. It gave me just enough of the mythological flavor to, to keep me satisfied. I like that a lot. That was really great. And um, some like when they really lean into it, they do it really well. So I'm glad to hear that Valhalla uh, does that. I'll, I'll check into it on PS5. So I guess I would ask you then, Carlos, had, did you play Origins or did you not? Yeah, I played every single one of those. I mean, I played all the Assassin's Creed games, I think now. And, and Origins and Odyssey were where I was like starting to love them again because of how they changed the combat. Well, I was going to ask you if Odyssey is kind of a... It, it feels to me like a midway point between what Assassin's Creed used to be and what you're describing in Valhalla, which seems to be a little bit more Witcher-esque, would you say that Origins is about the same as Odyssey or is it even closer to old-school Assassin's Creed? No, Origins is close to Odyssey. It's very close to Odyssey. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's why when I got to Odyssey, I was like, oh, cool, yeah, I, I want more of this because there's the same kind of loot stuff. Uh, there's the same kind of combat, which, you know, Origins is when they came up with that combat where they changed the combat to be more like, you know, and not just running around assassinating people, although you still do that. Um, you know, there was much more of a style to it and rolling and dodging and stuff. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like they fixed it in Origins or fixed, th- made it to the part that I enjoyed it. And then Odyssey is just taking that and going more with it. But if you went back to play Origins, it's fun. Like, and you just mainlined it. Um, I really, really enjoyed my time with that game as well. But, well, you know, but- Origins is on sale right now. You can get the big, the big $100 package for, I think, 18 bucks on PSN Jeez. right now. That's talk about wanting to lose yourself in a game. I wish I hadn't played it, you know. Uh, I've played Origins and Odyssey and all the DLCs. So, like, I'm, like, exhausted of it. And now Nothing I'm, for you to go back to. No, yeah, and sure. Valhalla, um, there's no DLC yet, I don't think. Or there might be. But we oh, dude, there's going to be, man, for sure. There's, there's going to be, be, but we talked about that I have a problem with that game because of how yeah. it ends. Well, we'll Anyways, see what happens. It's a great wait, series. Wait. Side note before we move on, as you were saying, you know, one thing that we we're talking about was maybe moving away from the series a little bit more. I don't know if you've heard the update or not. They just announced that Ubisoft, who is making all these Odyssey games and the Origin games and Valhalla, they're going to be making an open world Star Wars game just announced, I think, today or yesterday. So if you can maybe take the stuff that you've seen in Valhalla, remove all of the Assassin's Creed you know, the real world stuff that maybe we don't care so much about and just apply those lessons to a brand new license. I mean, that's actually kind of exciting. Yeah, I just heard that today. I didn't know it was them. Uh, yeah, it is them. I mean, I, and I like what I'm seeing in Odyssey. If they lean into the Star Wars-ness and maybe don't be so afraid of doing non-combat quests and don't be so afraid of cutscenes and don't be so afraid of that other stuff, that could be pretty cool. I'm getting flashbacks of uh, Star Wars 1313. That's what everybody's saying, but I think, I think Ubisoft's going to make it happen. These guys... They make games. They definitely do. They right. know how to make this kind of game, and this is exactly their kind of game. So. I, I, more, I meant more in the fact that like it was a side story, you know, and it was like this kind of you are a character in this world. Oh, I thought you meant in the fact that it never came out. No, you were no, scared. No. <laughs> Did we ever say the story about real quick? Because this is already a longer epic podcast again like we always do but um did i tell you a story when i reviewed it or like i went to go see the preview of star wars thirteen thirteen? no i don't think you've ever mentioned that real quick it was at e3 and um which i actually missed those trade shows now um i never thought i would say that and um we went into this room and the door shut it was just a room i thought but they'd done it up so it looked like it was um like a sci-fi elevator and, uh, like all the sides were like you know these big pieces of plastic it looked like you know an elevator and they had screens monitors in all around us so they were playing the game itself the game graphics in the screens so it looked like we were in an elevator 
Oh, that's uh, awesome. And we went down because Star Wars 1313 took place like underneath the city or something. And we, we we watched the trailer and watched gameplay on the front screen, but all around us, we were like in the environment. Um, and it was an amazing trailer and I, I, we, we so wanted the game afterwards. Um, there's a video somewhere on YouTube of me after seeing it, like interviewing one of the people and just like freaked out. I'm like, um, um, can you tell me when this is coming out? Um, I, I loved it. It's coming out never. Yeah. So don't watch that video because it doesn't age well. <laughs> but it was a really cool experience. So, yeah. A lot of people excited for that. It was a real shame it didn't come out. That team is dissolved. It's never going to happen. But Ubisoft is real good at actually finishing games and releasing games. And this Star Wars game sounds exactly like the kind of game they are best at making so i have a pretty good feeling it's going to be coming out so we have that to look forward to i'm so. digging it also by the way surprise uh, number three i'm developing star wars 1313 and it's coming <laughs> out tomorrow wow okay put only the bourbon for, down carlos stop yeah, drinking now it's only for linux and it's um it's not available Okay, that's that's a bogus thing. Okay, that is our main content, folks. That's all the games we got to talk about. But before we get out of here, we do have one listener question that we will be addressing right here. Uh, Q&A, love Q&A. If you want to send us your comments, questions, anything, please send it to us and we'll be happy to answer. Today, we have a question from Arhey777, longtime listener, super fan, good friend of the show. He says, I'd be interested to know your thoughts, and that's you and me both, on the stigma of video games, i.e., whether that stigma is still present or if it's starting to wear off thanks to graphics and more mature story improvements in recent years. In my social and family circle, for example, gaming is definitely not something I would shout from the rooftops as a hobby as it's considered a waste of time or an addiction. It's fine to go into the occasional Mario Kart with the family once in a while, but I wouldn't be comfortable telling people I spent 60 hours on Breath of the Wild or the Witcher. So I'm going to put it to you first, Carlos. What are your thoughts on the stigma of video games? Is it still present? Is it wearing off? Is it gone? What's your thought? I think I've talked about it in the show before. For one thing, I hate the word gamer. Um, I think it's silly, and it's from the 90s, and it, it conjures up a bad image uh, or a stereotypical image. Secondly, I don't like the words video game. I think it's ridiculous. We're an, it's an interactive media at this point, um, and I'd like to call it I am. I don't know. That's already taken. But I would love it for it to have a different name. <laughs> the so, by the way, so it's in our title of our podcast, and I don't it like is. it. It is. <laughs> I right. don't like it. All right. So, because it's just again, it's it's game. When you hear the word game, you're like, oh, that's nice. You're playing a little board game or card game or something. No, I'm going in uh, a mission on the moon, and my I'm taking up my father's you know spaceship, and uh, I'm having this romance, and yeah, you know, there's all this stuff happens in games now. So, broad strokes. I think that the stigma isn't there anymore and it shouldn't be, but I think that people and periodicals and, you know, media and stuff like, like to keep it around. And I think that people try to, um, yeah, make it a thing like, Ooh, gaming and stuff like that. But I don't think it should be there based on what the media is at now. Like we're not talking about like an arcade game where you get 20,000 points and you've got to get a new spaceship. We're talking, we're talking about real experiences that are coming from a unique um, artistic perspective from so many different voices that it, it's so, it's so reductive. That's the word to 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 um, create the stigma of video games. And it's uh, something that is going to rot your brain or you're, you shouldn't be doing it. You're wasting your time. That's a reductive uh, 
and stereotypical thing. I think that doesn't exist. And I think that people who want to keep it around, it, it, it sounds good and it makes good articles. Um, and I, and I'm frustrated if people think that way, hopefully, uh, maybe you'll, you'll tell me I'm wrong, but more, more people will think that way than I think they do. But that's, that's my initial thoughts. Well, let me challenge you just real briefly before I share my perspective. If, if those, if that stigma doesn't exist, then why is it a popular article for people who want to keep it around? People, people like the less, the least common denominator. They like, want to see the, the simplest headline. And if something's talking about gaming, gaming is bad for whatever or whatever, like that's going to, it's clickbait, you know? Um, can we get a good example? Do we have a good example of when the stereotype that we're talking about is, um, I don't know, when's it show up? Well, like he says in his question, he says his examples were, you know, it's cool if he plays Mario Kart real quickie with the family, but his family would think he was wasting his time or he was addicted if he admitted that he played 60 hours on Breath of the Wild, right? So like five minutes of Mario Kart in the living room at a family picnic is cool. 60 hours on breath of the wild you're an, an addict is that that's his example it's just well here's the thing and i guess it comes down to family and friends right it, it, what what family and friends think is important to you but it everybody has their different kind of opinions but i would say that if you watch a netflix series right now especially with covid and you watch <clears> all of it right is someone going to call you a, a netflix addict uh, no, you're going to say I was doing something to occupy my time or even potentially as you're watching a docu-series, learn about something. But a Netflix series, like I just finished The Flight Attendant, which is great, by the way. Watching that right now, it is great. So fucking good. And like uh, 48 minutes each, and there was what, nine or ten of them? That's a long video game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, then what the fuck is the difference? That's all I'm saying. I don't see any difference at all. I mean, I agree with you. I So to answer his question... Um, I think the stigma is still there, but I think it's only really strong with people of low intelligence. I think that anybody who is smart, who is open to art, to culture, to other experiences, is starting to really get the fact that there's something going on in video games culturally. Um, I, you know, I think with our generation, I think there's still a lot of stigma where not everybody in our generation was a gamer when they grew up. I remember when I was in high school... Uh, lots of people uh, were not gamers at all and I was you know I was known as a gamer and so I was definitely like lower lower on the popularity spectrum because I was like a nerd or a geek or whatever because of games and I think that in in the modern context I think it is not really that way but I think it still exists depending on your age bracket my son I don't think there's any stigma whatsoever like every every person he knows in his circle he's 11 every single person plays games and almost all those parents also are gamers as well so I think that maybe that stigma is going to go away with time, mm. but the, I, I still do occasionally bump into it where I'll, I'll meet somebody who's like a grown up, and they're like, "Oh, games," and they kind of look at it like, you know, like like maybe they've heard a story or two. They've always heard like the addiction story. They've always heard like, "Oh, some weirdo got into crime because of Grand Theft Auto or some shit like that." But I think that most people are just they just don't know about it because it's harder for them to kind of associate with it. Like if you hear about a good book you can just go to Amazon and buy a book, right? Or if you hear a good TV show, you can go down to your TV or you can go to YouTube or something. Like it's, it's pretty low barrier, right? And you don't really need to know anything. Like most people can read, not everybody, but most people, everybody can watch a television show unless they have a vision impairment, but then you can listen to it unless you're deaf. And I guess you got captions that way. But I mean, you know, those, those edge cases aside, I think the average human being can easily take in a TV show. So it's a pretty low barrier for entry. But when you talk about games, 
there's a lot of literacy that has to happen before you can fully engage in the medium. And I think that's slowly going away because I think most people are growing up with games. People are really familiar with games and computers. So I think that with the older generation who are scared of it or maybe don't know how to interact with it, I still get that stigma once in a while. But yeah. I turn it around on them, right? Like, I, if somebody comes to me and is like, oh, games, I'm like, oh, well, fuck, you know, you're missing out. Like, you don't know what you're talking about because games are amazing. Like, there's all sorts of movie stars and TV stars that play games. Like, they make more money than any other media that does right now. It's the most popular thing going. Every kid in the world plays video games right now. So it's like, if you're not in games, I turn it around on them and be like, you're the, like, how do you not know? You know, yeah, when I talk exactly. about some game. And I've even gotten to the point where other people um, in the in the quote-unquote grown-up circle will come to me and be like, oh, Brad, you're a gamer. I heard about, I heard about so-and-so. Or like the other day, one of my uh, wife's friends, she's like, oh, Brad, I know you know games. I, I got to get a PS4, uh, PS5 or an Xbox One or an Xbox X or whatever. Which one should I get? I don't know. Like, what do you think? And so, like, people will come to me because they know that I know. So I think it's slowly becoming, like, more accepted. But that's just, like, a cultural thing, right? Like, when books first came out, you know, like, people were against books. And then when music came out, rock and roll came out, devil's music, and it's going to send culture to hell. And, you yeah. know, every every single thing that comes that's a new piece of media, people resist it. And then as the generations grow up and they become familiar with it, I mean, you don't find anybody who bats an eye at TV these days unless they're like one of those people who's like, I don't even own a TV. I only listen to NPR or like whatever, right? Like who cares? <laughs> like the, whatever. But most people like, you know, Netflix, TV shows, like whatever. Everybody watches movies. Everybody reads books. Like it's not even a thing. I think one more generation, it'll be like everybody has video games. Not even a thing. Well, not that's a, exactly not. it. I think it's also, it's generational. Like you said, it's also technological. Oh, that's not a word. Uh, technological, <laughs> close, technological. It's technology, right? Right. Yeah, we're we're yeah. moving forward in it, and in the future, uh, as long as we all don't blow each other, blow ourselves up, we Fingers will. Crossed. Yeah, we will. Um, it will be ubiquitous. Yeah. So yes. I think it's just a time thing, and I've always been a futurist. I mean, I've definitely put myself. Uh, my other middle name is futurist, and I'm usually. You just, got a long middle name, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, does weird shit in games, futurist. Rodella, but what I what I, I just, I'm, I'm always drawn towards the, the new thing, and and so new technology is part of that. And I was also like you, um, you know, ostracized in high school and junior high for being a, um, playing video games. I'm never gonna say gamer anymore. Um, and yeah, it was weird because, like you said, like your kid all of his friends of course they play games it'd be like crazy if they didn't like, it'd be weird if you didn't dude yeah. you'd be ostracized if you didn't play games yeah and then we had to live through that time period that where it was really weird so i would say that if anything it's moving towards that so if he feels uncomfortable now he just give it a little time because um i foresee the future of you know this great movie's called her have you seen her uh i have not seen that holy fuck brad galloway watch that immediately okay hold on okay put it okay. hold on and Watch it go. now. Go. And is it finished? I'll get back to you in 90 minutes. Hold hold on. <laughs> oh, shit. We don't have that long. <laughs> okay. Asterix it, put it on your queue. Okay. But yes. in that, there, you know, he's in quotes playing a game at some point, And all he's doing is looking at like this screen that's kind of a hologram. And he's just moving his fingers without a controller. And he's kind of just like walking along first person. And he's talking to an AI that's way more sophisticated and something that is in my dreamland, you know, that I, I want AI to become. And the AI is like reacting to his, what he's saying and what he's doing and how he's, you know, making his face and stuff. And that's all he's doing. He's just moving his fingers in front of the screen. That's the future. And so then at that point, it, we don't have this discussion anymore because you just come home and you go, oh, I might turn on that little guy that I follow around. Or, you know, I might go into, remember, um, this is a deep cut, but 
uh, Fahrenheit 451, um, where they do these uh, the TV screens, and the people would come home and they'd join like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. And so like they would just be like the next actor in the scene and they would get home and they'd like go in front of the screen and they'd, they'd act out a thing. And that was, I guess, a game, you know, because it was an interactive thing. But they were just like, because the technology was so advanced, they just go into the living room and do it. That was a long tangent. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it's saying that it's silly and it's temporary and chill. It, it'll go away. And for like you said, for the younger, gener- younger generation, it already has gone away. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely has gone away, and I think that if if you're still getting that stigma, it might be a slightly different cultural thing. I mean, I think probably different cultures have different relationships to the medium, uh, but where we are here in America uh, and in this current time period, I, it's definitely present, but it is definitely going away, and I feel like one more generation, it's going to be completely gone. Whether you do hologram fingers or not, it's going to still be hologram. it's still going to be gone. We so. might have to call the episode hologram, hologram fingers. fingers. Write that down. All right, folks, that is it. Oh, also, thank you, Arhey777, for the question. And thank if you. anybody else would like to send us questions, comments, please do hit us up, so video games podcast at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at so video games, or you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? YouTube.com slash a lot of things, YouTube.com slash a lot of things, YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Uh, one word. I am going to get a YouTube channel. I'm going to call it Not Many Things, and I'm going to just oh. troll you the entire time. Please it's going do. To be like, as it's going long, to be like one thing. As long as you subscribe. As long as I subscribe. I already subscribe. Whatever. Literally, as, I need like 70 people, and then I get to like uh, partner. So There we go. 70 people. 70 people listening. Please subscribe to Carlos. Get him that partner status. As for me, as usual, on Twitter, on Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 215. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soma Games podcast. And we will be back before you know it. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And this is one more suggestion for Carlos. If you like The Good Place, you should watch The Miracle Workers, which is now on, it was, used to be a TBS show, and now it's on HBO Max. It's really relaxing, and it's like The Good Place. There you go. Bye-bye. Right. Goodbye.